Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in from Charm City. Man, I know things are going crazy out there. My pal, <laughs> Odell. Odell, give us the update. How is What's Charm City, Baltimore, for people who don't know the nickname, doing? Uh, business, well, right now we're, we are in uh, basically a shelter-in-place type atmosphere, uh, so only essential People are allowed out. Um, I mean, you can still go out. You can go to the stores, things like that, but you can't just be hanging out. Um, so far, it's been okay. Uh, we've had a few instances of some things happening, but for the most part, people are listening. Um, uh, unfortunately, the numbers are still rising. And um, I think as far as the state of Maryland, uh, the next couple of weeks is going to be pretty telling because we'll probably get the wave that like New York um, got here the last couple of weeks. We're supposed, we're expected to get that. So our numbers are going to really shoot up here in the next couple of weeks, apparently. Yeah, it's a crazy new reality we're living in for sure. Speaking of crazy yeah, realities, man. let's get our <laughs> producer in here pushing all the important sanitized buttons from her hermetically sealed bubble in the next room. Our producer, the marvelous D. Yes, the essential D. I That's actually, it. I just got emailed a letter from our CEO. Um, I do work for a mental health uh, thing, whatever, um, and a mental health provider. There you go. Um, and, yeah, we got a letter that I have to print it out this weekend, and I have to put my name on it, and I have to carry it around with me in the car and make sure I have my badge with me because it proves that I'm essential and blah, 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 blah. So, basically, yeah. I can come and go as I please, and that's fine. Yeah. But I'm already yeah. wearing a mask, so... Wearing yeah. a mask, and you got your papers to prove you're essential. Hello, yeah. Ron. Got my yeah. papers, too. Yep. 1984 and all that. All right. Um, I want to get today's guest in here, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time piddling around like we usually do news and stuff, because I am not going to keep this guest on the line. But... Yeah. Waiting. No, no way. But let me tell you real quick who we got coming up on the show. In the next three weeks, we got King Buzzo from the Melvins, Dr. Frank from the Mr. T Experience, John Eastdale from Drama Rama, Nady, who has been who has played violin with Jay-Z and Beyonce, and Gabby Chaos from the Veminous Pinks. A lot of people. One thing about this time period, it's it's been a lot easier to get people on the line. Because everybody's locked at home and creative type yeah. of people want to talk and they want to share. So, yeah, that's true. And you I'm know, taking uh, this opportunity to just talk to as many people as I can. Exactly. Usually this is the touring season, man. This is the time where everybody's out. Albums are being released. People are playing festivals. All of that's yeah, kicking off. Cool. The weather's getting warm. And um, unfortunately, right now, it's just a whole new ball game, man. Yeah, you see these um, a lot of these indie artists literally online singing for their supper, putting up GoFundMe. Exactly. And it is like I said, it's a brave new world. Uh, yes, Dee, tell everybody where we can find us online. Of course, all you really have to do is Google. I remember when Google was not a verb. I'm sorry, I've just completely dated myself. Uh, just Google Musical Osmosis, or you can go to musicalosmosis.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Musical Osmosis. And uh, Nick and I have our own Instas and Twitters and whatnots that you can come stalk us at. 
and mine's cooler because you know it's me yeah i haven't had a good stalker in a long time yeah it's been a while it's been been a while while since anybody's like i could totally use a social distancing stalker right now that would yeah i've been social distancing on um social media i've been social media distancing for years (laughs) So doing it in reality was a smooth transition. All right, let's get today's guest in here. Today's guest is a musical trailblazer who helped break down the longstanding barriers between hard rock and rap and helped usher in a new era of collaborative music making. A left-handed guitarist whose riffs resonate like a melodic locomotive, and he also compels the listener to groove, headbang, and sing along from the legendary band, I can't believe I'm saying this, Body Count. (laughs) The magnificent yes. Ernie C is with us. Ernie, man, how you doing? Wow, that's a great introduction. I, I didn't know you were talking about me for a while. I'm like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I told you we're gonna fanboy out on you. Yeah, no, yes, I, 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 I want to say something. I want to say something really quick. You know, really quick. I played on the first album to ever get a parental guide and sticker on it, which is Ice T's Rhyme Page. So that's that's yes. my claim to fame. Oh, man, that bad host. I'm flogging myself. <laughs> Cat nine tails across my back. Hey, let me ask you this, Ernie, before we get into the yes, meat sir. and potatoes. This is what I'm asking every guest on all my podcasts now. Mm-hmm. How are you personally coping with and dealing with this new coronavirus reality? How is it uh, impacting the band and everything around you? Well, right now, in, in the we're not rehearsing or anything like that. We normally be rehearsing to go out. We have tour, a tour plan for July. So we're, we're kind of like, don't know what's going on, but I'm just kind of chilling out at home. Just, you know, mm-hmm. taking it easy. I'm an only child. So being alone by myself, it's like, it's like my childhood. I, and I'm watching <laughs> YouTube, watching YouTube, learning how to play guitar. There's some cool stuff on there. If you, you know, just have some time to sit around and learn it. And I have a lot of time to sit around and learn it. <laughs> yeah. This is the golden age of like digital rabbit holes. Dolly, Dolly Parton is reading bedtime stories online. Um, Patrick yep. Stewart is reading Shakespeare. You can do virtual <laughs> museum tours. It's never been a better time for free to go online and just really expand your horizons. Yeah, I think I can do this for another. I'm in Los Angeles, so we're going to be doing this till the end of the month. So we're like three weeks into it almost. We've been in for about a little over two weeks. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's nerve wracking, but it's necessary. I agree. I agree. All right, let's get into this. I want to tell you a story real quick since it's your first time on the show. Let me take you back. This is how you first came on our radar. We're talking 1990. I'm living right Mm -hmm. outside of Pittsburgh, a town called McKeesport, Mm -hmm. PA. My new roommate, my buddy Eddie Bricker, um, who Mm -hmm. I'm still friends with today, he Mm -hmm. turned me on to the Ice-T album, The Iceberg, Freedom of Speech, Just Watch What You Say. And back Mm -hmm. then, I'm a cocky 18-year-old, just closed-minded type of headbanger guy. And back in those days, like, if you were a headbanger and you liked rap also, they called you a poser. So there's a stigma where headbangers are like, I'm a true headbanger, a slayer. uh." Well, you know, I was really resistant to listening to any kind of rap. And Eddie twisted my arm. And I got to tell you, man, the guitar work on that Freedom of Speech album, it was the first step that really got me into broadening my horizon music-wise. So I really got to thank you for that because you were the first thing that chiseled away and then came Carrie King with the Beastie Boys, Fight for Your Right to Party, and um, Anthrax teamed up with Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And that that, that 
that girl tried to kill me. That was the, you know, we did that song back then, you know, that was mm-hmm. a song we did. But, you know, before uh, Body Count, uh, I knew Dave Mustang. I was a messenger. I knew Dave Mustang. We were going to do a song, me and Ice, before there was a Body Count, we were going to do a song with Dave Mustang uh, in 1989. But, you know, we, we finally got around to doing it on our last record. We've known Dave that long. So wow. we've always tried to, to mess it up, you know. I met Dave when I was just delivering packages to his management company. <laughs> was he oh, a Metallica wow. back then, or was that by Megadeth by then? It was Megadeth. It was Megadeth. It was early Megadeth. It's like 88, somewhere around in there. So it was early uh, early um, Metallica. I mean, early uh, Megadeth. Because, you know, that's wow. how I met Perry Farrell. That's how I met Perry Farrell when I was delivering packages. That's how we ended up in his movie called The Gift. That led us into doing. Uh, well, I remember Lala, that. That's Lala right. Palooza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, in the Lollapalooza. Yeah. We did. We did "Nigger Whitey," which is a Sly Stone song. And I happened yep. to live. I knew Sly Stone. I've I've met a lot of musicians in my life, but I met I knew Sly Stone, and he was going to be in the gift. And he did, wow. he was some he was somewhere. He didn't show up. So I said to Perry, I said, "You know this guy named Ice T?" And I called up Ice. He was doing "Back on the Block" with Quincy. He came over. And he he did uh, he did nigga Whitey. We did it right there at the rehearsal studio. Perry said, "You got a guitar?" I said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Go get it." We hopped. That's where I met Dave, and you know. And then when it got time to do Lollapalooza, he put Ice on it, and in turn, Ice took Body Count to play for fifteen minutes. Mm. So, hey, hey, Ernie, how do you like going back to what Nick was saying? I know we're but we're around the same age. We're in our uh, mid to late forties, and um. Even where we grew up in Southern Maryland, like the metal scene was the metal scene, the rap scene was the rap scene, the punk scene was the punk scene. But for some reason, groups like uh, artists like Ice T, NWA, what you did with Ice T, it resonated with everybody. It didn't matter if you were white, black, Hispanic. Why do you think that was, or why do you think it still is? Because we were sincere about it. You know what I mean? Why, yeah. why can Why can the Beastie Boys? play do rap he's sincere about it why does eminem talk can do rap and nobody says that white kid he's sincere about it he's good exactly you know what i mean when you, you get a vanilla ice doing it then people question everything if you're sincere about it and you're good there's no question you know i grew up listening to you know uh even i listened to kiss i listened to even frampton i mean i i grew up with mm. a a gangbanger high school listening to Aerosmith, you know, and Led Zeppelin. So, you know, I was sincere about it. I didn't care. Yeah, and going back to that kind of meshing of genres back then, another big one was that Judgment Night soundtrack, which Ice-T did a song with Slayer, and that soundtrack really broke down those barriers where you had people crossing over from both communities and listening to rap and metal. I, I just posted. I just posted a picture of, of that the other day. You know, of, of me, Kerry King, and Dave, Dave Lombardo. You know, and, wow. and that was a good. Me- that was a good mesh of things. You know, we, but you know, years before that, back in the '90s, we did a, a concert tour called Gathering of the Tribes. It only did like three shows. It was Soundgarden, Ice T, Queen Latifah, The Cults. I mean, it was a meshing of all kinds of stuff. It only did three shows. I mean, two shows up in up in Northern California, and then the the, the interest of it faded out. But then we then Perry tried it again with Lollapalooza, putting everything all together because music was going more like that, you know. Because mm-hmm. in Europe, they they do that more, so they mesh up different types of music all together. Because I've, I've I've said to people before, we've opened for REM, 
you know. So oh, wow. that's kind of we were open for Cheryl Crow, and we played between uh, the Black Crows, Body Count, and Cheryl Crow. Wow, you know, that's, unbelievable. That's, that's you know that's mixing it up. Yeah, I mean, that's why I used to, even in the 80s, I used to read, go to the local record store and pick up Kerrang! magazine because mm-hmm. they always seemed so much more sophisticated over there about their music than we seemed here in the States. Exactly. America likes to put people, you know, like, you can only listen to pop music, you know, you can only listen to this, you know. I, I, listen, I went to uh, uh, Katy Perry shows, you know, she liked the band. I met her uh, when we did... Um, a warp tour reunion, not a 15th anniversary. I've gone to a bunch of Katy Perry shows. You know, it's it, you, you can listen to whatever you want to listen to and not be judged. You know, we can't we can't judge people by their music. You know, absolutely, and I, and I, man. Yeah, and I noticed that when um I went, uh, me and my wife, we went to England a handful of years ago, and mm-hmm. I just remembered like going through the, uh, one of our friend, one of our good friends was living over there, and we and we went to. Uh, uh, certain areas where all the where all the bands played and you hit it right on the head it was like the crazy i'm like looking at the lineup and he's like yeah i went and saw radiohead with uh you know uh krs1 a few weeks ago and then so and so and i'm just like what are you serious and he's like yeah right it was it was like it was nothing the thing about it is it works and one quick thing, one quick thing. My drummer, you know, my new drummer, Will, today's his birthday. And also, he's from Baltimore, and he does a yeah. drum solo. He, he puts a thing called a go-go beat in it, which only people from Baltimore or something around here know about this beat. I, I have no idea. Oh, oh, like, oh, oh me and Nick know. We know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this guy stood beside me one time. He was doing a drum solo. He said, oh, he's doing that, ball, he's doing that Baltimore go-go beat. I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, go-go is a powerful form of music, man. We used to go to, well, Wilmer, I never went to a go-go show at Wilmer's Park, but they had them all the time right up yeah, the street yeah. from us at Wilmer's yep. Park down in Brandy. I have no idea what this is, but but I I know when I see it to someone back there, they understand, but I have, I still don't know what it is. Oh, right wow. on. Hey, <laughs> let me jump in. I want to talk some body count because this is something okay. that really was fascinating to me when I was researching this episode. I didn't Uh-oh. know that you actually started Body Count, and it was kind of like a collaboration for a nice T album, and it, it never started with this inception of we're going to make this metal or punk-leaning band and go out there and do this. It just kind of organically happened, and I think a lot of people just assume Ice-T started Body Count. Well, what happened was, we, I, I, you know, I've known Ice all my life, and everyone right. in the, the, original, the original band were uh, friends. We all played on Ice's records all along. And, and I always say, we got to a point where we couldn't put any more guitars on a rap record and keep it a rap record. So we started the band. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I'm not saying I started the band. We started it together, but I was gonna be the singer originally. And then after a while, Ice, was, Ice came on stage with us. And then uh, he's so good at it, you know what I mean? And that's, singing is something I really don't feel comfortable doing or just wanted to do only reason that we have the band is just so I can play guitar. You know what I mean? I just wanted to play guitar. So I get to play guitar now. Everybody asks, are you doing, going to do another band? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I get to do whatever I want to with this band. So I'm, I'm cool, you know? And you taught yourself guitar too, right? I taught myself guitar, but you know, like I, I've been fortunate to be around a lot of great musicians. You know, at the mm. high school I went to, the Brothers Johnson went to the high school I went to. Oh, so wow. I learned, I, I learned how to play funk going to high school. I learned, you know, uh, you know, my, my, my 
a friend of mine, uh, uh, one someone I went to high school, played with Chuck Mangione. So you get to see Chuck Mangione. I get to see, I, I got to went to a club where I saw the Temptations and uh, uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, the Gap Band, and you know, wow. the people I sat in with. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I've been very fortunate to be around a lot of great musicians. I want to talk a little bit of history with you because your history, the band's history, just everything about it's so incredible. I want to hear a little bit about those early days when Cop Killer came out. How much did that amp things up as far as the censorship? I think you guys had left Warner Brothers or something over that. And then also with the police, were you getting harassed a lot by police after that happened? Yeah, we got harassed by the police. We we did our Senior Hall show, and they wanted to stop us from going on there. But they didn't actually threaten anyone. What they what they put it like this: If you ever call for the police, you would like for them to come. So that mm. that's yeah, that's that that's an off a backhanded threat. You know what I mean? But the, mm-hmm. the, the thing about the thing about uh, that period of time is people think we sold millions and millions and millions of records. No, we pulled the record. We didn't sell all those records. Warner Brothers wanted the record to stay out and fight for freedom of speech. But they were starting doing death threats and things like that. It got really real. And we're like, these people don't even know what we're talking about. Why should right. we make them fight our fight? They don't have no idea what it is to get stopped by the police and get harassed. So this is our fight. They let us go. So we left. But the thing about it is, by doing that, we didn't sell a lot of records. But we get, that's why I'm able to talk to you 30 years later, because we have respect and, and we have integrity. We stood mm. for something. We, we yeah, just didn't absolutely. Sell out. We didn't sell out. You know, we, we stood for what we we stood for. We went out there at that time and we played that song every night. You know, we, it, we, we didn't stop playing it. You know, we did pull the record, but that was just because, you know, other people were getting threatened beside the people that did this inside, the five people that did it. Oh, inside you guys pulled it. I thought Warner Brothers had kicked you off the label or something over it. Oh, no, no. Warner Brothers wanted to, to, to take this to Supreme Court and freedom of speech and all this kind of stuff. Wow. Right. The thing about awesome. it, but, but the thing about it is, you know, they, they're making death threats. If somebody was really going to get hurt would have been on our shoulders for something, you know, if somebody gets really gets killed or something like that, that's on your yeah. shoulders, you know? Yeah. So, I don't, I, it's music. We got to remember, this is music, and we're supposed to be having a good time. When it starts getting into, I'm going to kill you, so-and-so, eh, it kills the fun of it. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> so how long did that controversy <laughs> last? Bullets, bullets kind of kill the fun sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it does. Attempt to do that. <laughs> so that controversy, did Especially that Especially when they directed at you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that controversy. Did it last for years, or did it kind of trail off after a couple of years? Like, how long were you in the middle of all that chaos? You know, I really don't know because it, it just it came and went, and and you know, it's like it it kind of settled down. We did the next record. We 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 went over to Virgin Records and we did our next record. You know, but that was our first record. You know, it's. It's hard to follow up that first record, you know. You, you we, we, we were, and then we made a, tried to make a point on the second record not to 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 say, we couldn't say we're going to do Cop Killer Two, you know what I mean? What are we going to do right. now? We're going to, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to start shooting nuns. What are we going to do now? What can Cop <laughs> do? <laughs> what can be worse than this? You know, so we we kind of steered away from it. So you know, it kind of it kind of everything kind of settled down. Then we just became a band, you know. You know, and we 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 did three records, 
in a row. Then then some of our members start passing. So then it gets yeah. kind of kind of, you know, we had that tragedy going on. So that's where the inconsistency of the records went on. Does it amaze you that 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 cop killer, those songs that you did, some, what is it, almost 30 years now, still mm-hmm. resonates today? Like it still well, is something that really resonates today? And so. Some, some kids, you know, the kids that come to our show sometimes, it's kind of amazing that kids come to our shows, 20-something, you know, teenagers, they come to our shows and they get backstage and they're like, because they come to see, first they think Ice is just the guy from Law & Order, you know, he's been on there 20 years, so <laughs> yeah. they're like, we didn't know you had a band, and so they come to you and say, you know that song Cop Killer you guys sung? You should release that. That was badass. Right? Kids, we released that when you were eight, 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 eight years before you were born. So, so they just know Finn. They know Finn, you know? So mm. Finn. And, and then less people know that Ice-T rapped. I know. Body, That's amazing. You know, yeah. They, they, they don't know him as a rapper. There's a hardcore Ice-T fans are hardcore. That's a hardcore group of people. They're underground. Yeah, I I bet. More, we're, we're like a pop band. We're actually, we're a pop band. We're, we're uh, you know, we're American culture. We're, we're pop. Well, in those early days also, I wanted to ask you, how did the metal community receive you guys? Were they like, this is awesome? Or was there kind of a pushback? Like, what is this gimmick, this rap guy up here doing metal? How did the metal fans kind of... Um, take to you guys the first few shows and stuff well you know our first shows that we did Duff McKagan came to our show and I became wow. his friend he he supported us from day one you know you got Dave like Dave's been supporting us from day one you know the the metal I've never heard anything about metal Slayer's been with us we cover Slayer songs they supported us from day one you know but the, the catch about it is here's a, a, a kind of a, I, I've talked about this many times and always kind of gives me a thorn in my side when I first uh, started this thing I wanted to be a part of the, the Black Rock Coalition and I, I went mm. to them and I wanted to be I wanted to be down with them and they turned their back on me the people that gave me love <laughs> wow. in, in rock and roll so I always you know kind of bring that up so music has no color you know so Sure. Those people that supported me, you know. Agreed. Perry Farrell supported me, you know. Right on. Hey, so let's talk about this new album. This is you guys' seventh album, Carnivore. Um, as you're going through these albums, the writing process, do you have a set formula you kind of stand by and go by? Or are you constantly, are you one of these people who are constantly trying to outdo yourself and like, I got to be totally different and do something totally new? Or do you kind of have a comfort zone formula when you're writing these songs? Because this new album is mind-blowingly awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know we just, we, the band is getting better. This band has done more records than our any combination of bands, you know, we've had seven variations of this band. We had the first, the first band that did only did two records. Our first original band only did two records together. And then we have a variation of people in the last three records. We've had the same group of people. Only the only two bands that have worked have been the first band and this band right here. The other five didn't work. It has to do with personalities. You just can't replace a person without replacing, replacing them with the right personality. You yeah, can't get a guy to like, like, so like, true. Like, 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 you can't just get, you know, uh, Steve Vai and put him in a band and just expect for everything to work. You know what I mean? It has to have the right personalities to mix together. We're a rock band. We're, we're, uh, you know, it has to mesh together. So uh, the last three records have been getting better. 
you know, Will Putney, we, we, he's like the, the member of our band. He's like the, the Billy Preston of, uh, <laughs> of the band, you know, Billy Preston was the fifth Beatle, but um, he, um, he helps us out and we, we, we enjoy it. You know, we enjoy playing together. We enjoy doing records now. So that, that has a lot to do with it. What are you doing on your downtime when body counts really not performing? Because it's it's odd to me that you don't play in any other side bands. Usually when you're a musician, especially of your caliber, you have like 20 side projects throughout your career and you're just straight body count. So what are you doing during those downtimes and how come you haven't explored doing side projects? I, I did um, doing some animation. Uh, we've been working on some animation films and it takes a long time to do animation. And it, it's, uh, it's guitar based. Like when the, it's just some superheroes and they, they, all the, the powers that they have are guitar generated. It's, it's pretty oh, neat. Nice. It's, it's pretty neat. But uh, other than that, I, I, you know, I take my time and I, I help out music cares trying to get these kids, you know, off of the, the other plague in America drugs, you know, so. Right. Right. Do. Are you no, producing? I, I, no, I, I quit doing that after Black Sabbath. Like I, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I just want to play the guitar. <laughs> I, 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 I produced, you know, I produced and all that kind of stuff. And if you if you want to do it, it's something. But I don't like actually being in a studio. I like being outside. I like playing. I don't like being in a room cooped up all day long. And I have gotcha. to right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone is. But, it, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I try to, um, I quit drinking a while ago, like uh, over a decade. So I just try to, you know, help out the kids, you know. The music business is hard, you know, because people always say it's not what's on the uh, outside, it's what's on the inside. In the music business, it's what's on the outside. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It's a lot of contrast going on. That's what makes it so hard to, you know, stay sober in the music business. No, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, it's so chaotic and there's so many stressors. Let me do this. I want to play When I'm Gone off the new album. And then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about this new album because the range on this album is incredible to me. I mean, you guys, well, I'll talk about when we come back, but let's play some When I'm Gone. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners about this song before D hits the magic button? No, Amy. Amy is like on point. That's all I can say. We were going to be on Jimmy Fallon's show, playing that with her before you know the, the water broke. But it'll, hopefully, we'll get to do it again. Try it again when this is all over. And that's Amy yeah. Lee from Evanescence for anybody yeah. who's yeah. not familiar. Yeah. All righty, D, take it away. Every day we lose somebody close to us, a loved one, and only then do we seem to find the time and the way to tell them how much we care about them. Don't tell me that you miss me Don't tell me that you love me Don't tell me that you need me Don't wait to tell me that you love me Well, 
All righty, we are back. What an amazing song. Um, like I said before, we went to the break. I want to mm-hmm. talk to you about the range of this album because you do a remake of Colors, which is from the Sean Penn movie. I think, God, that movie must be from yeah. the 80s. You do a mm-hmm. remake of Ace of Spades by Motorhead. The range on this album is just so incredible. You guys have really stretched your wings on this. Well, it, 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 it's not too far of a stretch because Lemmy, Lemmy was my drinking buddy. <laughs> I mean, we, we, should be at, <laughs> we should be at the Rainbow drinking. You know, real rockers drink at 11 in the morning. So uh-huh. just so everybody knows that we don't drink in the evening. We start there at 11 in the morning. He used to sit back in the back at the Rainbow. I'd be there. We'd hang out till about 5 o'clock. And then everybody else starts coming in. We head out. We're done for the day. So, uh, so we, we and back in the day, I did a movie called Airhead. I don't know if you ever saw yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. That's, we've known Lemmy that long. So, you know, he's like a rock god. And his band is kind of similar to ours. You really can't put it in a certain category. Is, is it a punk band? Is it a rock band? Is it a metal band? Yeah, those so are the best is, kind of bands. Exactly. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. We the first time we we were gonna open, we you know we played some shows with with Slayer over in Europe, and we were gonna open be on a bill with Slayer, and we usually open with Raining Blood. So we were like, we can't open with Raining Blood on a Slayer show. <laughs> that won't look good. That won't that won't look good on our resume. So we decided we we're gonna do Ace of Spades because it was easy. We learned it like backstage, and we went out on stage and played it. And the catch about it is. Everyone knows that song, so the audience kind of walks you through it. It's our first song. We figured if we blew it, you know, we can re- re- catch ourselves with the rest of the set if we came out bad, you know. But we went out, we pulled it off, and we just put it on the record. That That's is awesome. smart. And let me tell you, when I say range, I'm talking like When I'm Gone is such a different song than Bum Rush. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is one thing I've always respected about Body Count is you guys are not afraid of taking chances. And like you were talking about boxes, there's no way Body Count's going to be put into a box. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I like Bum Rush. Bum Rush is a lot of fun. We play that. It's a lot of fun. We, we, you know, we, we found putting that in the set. It's a lot of fun to play. But we just we just do what we do. And this, this, this comes from all the different influences that have come in over the years. You know, we, we you can't categorize us because we grew up, we listened to Earth, Wind, and Fire. We, Ice listens to, you know, different music. So it, it, it all comes together. And then we added Will in, and Will adds some, some cool guitar stuff. And he, you know, his band, uh, Fit for an Art topsy you know they you get some of the influence of that in everything and the thing about it is me being a a, a middle-aged rocker i'll use that you have to listen to what's new and what's current you just can't we i couldn't have the record sound like our first record it, it would sound like we've been sitting in the same place for 30 years so the band has to get progressively better do you get do you get i know for me personally when i like you said being a middle-aged rocker if you will do you still get that excitement when you hear something like you're like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And do yeah, you still I, get that excitement when you find out new bands or new things that you're listening to? That's why, that's why Riley's on our band, on our record, because we heard Power Trip. And we're like, yes. oh, these, these, these kids are going to be the next thing, you know. So it kind of it helps everybody out, you know. By him being on our record, it helps us out, you know, let everybody know that we're, we're not old and, you know, we're not stuck in our, you know, being who we are and let's him you know connect with some older uh, older band that helps out the band so that's how he ended up on the record just because we heard them play at one of his festivals we're like these kids are good <laughs> yeah 
All right. Well, I think that is a great place to end because we've got another guest coming in here in a couple minutes. Ernie, I cannot thank you enough for spending a half hour with us. This has been a true pleasure. Yes, man. This has been a lot of fun, actually. This is a lot. This, this, this is the most fun I've ever had in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that as our tagline. Yeah, awesome. yeah. The, the best quarantine show I've done. <laughs> that is definitely going on the tagline. Yes, thank you, man. Hey, before you go back into your bubble, please tell us yeah. where we can find all things Body Count online and where the kids can pick up the new album, Carnivore. I think. I think you can find the record everywhere there is. Uh, you can go to bodycountband.com and hit me up on my Instagram. I'm Ernie4321. How simple. There Calm it is. Down. There it is. All righty, Ernie. You stay safe, man. Yes, you, you guys too, okay? You guys Thank too. you, man. And the go-go, and the go-go beat. <laughs> there it is, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you very Take much. Take care, Ernie. Okay. Bye-bye. I know Adele's on cloud nine. Go, go, and Ernie C. Dude, how small of a world is this, man? When you really sit back and there, you know, he he brought up go-go all the way coming from the West Coast. And he's like, what is this thing? But it's awesome. You know, uh, man, you can't ask for it. I was to bring up go-go Orlando. Oh, dude. You, if, 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 <laughs> I should, I, if, hey, if we ever get to talk to uh, their drummer, we should mention him. I bet you he would know exactly who it is. <laughs> oh, if anybody who knows that scene knows who Go-Go Orlando is. Yes, man. <laughs> I just feel sad that Dee never got to experience the wonders that was Go-Go. Uh, I have he, seen a little bit of video, and I've heard many stories. Well, I, it's I believe- mostly the same stories, but it's funny. I think everybody pretty much has the same stories. Either A, you were at a go-go show in Bannister, or you were at one at, at Wilmer's, or you picked them up and gave them a ride somewhere. Mm-hmm. Those were usually the stories. <laughs> oh, I've also got working stories with them from Olive Garden. Oh, that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, are we ready for our next guest? Sure, sure. All right, guys. Adele had a split, so we are going to move on. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Didn't want you to think he got abducted mid-episode. And we are getting ready to move on to our On the Horizon segment, where we talk with artists about their new and upcoming albums. So let's get to it. On tonight's tonight's guest on our On the Horizon segment is a seasoned doomed guitarist whose tones are both haunting and reminiscent of a time when heavy music was new and cutting edge. Here to talk about his new album, Your Killer, which dropped last month on March 30th, we welcome vocalist and guitarist of Ozorn, Bill Kilty. Bill, what's happening? Thank you much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And before we kind of get into everything here, I want to start off the way... We're starting off with all our guests now because it's what's on everyone's mind. How are you coping with this new coronavirus universe we live in? I'm coping just fine for the most part. I, 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 I'm still working, actually. So I actually work out in the field. I work in my, my regular job. I work in, in the water industry here in Southern California. So it's um, Wow, that's got to be a tough gig right now. Yeah, well, it's, it's I, I kind of it's what I do. It's in tune with the Department of Environmental Health and, and, and the local Los Angeles County Health Department and whatnot. So it's just things that have to be uh, continually ran. And so I'm, I'm constantly outside. Um, so I kind of don't, it, it just isn't in my wheelhouse all day long. So um, whereas my, my girlfriend is, she's at home all day and um, 
so I, usually Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm, on, I'm out in the field working all day and then, you know, come home at night and just get up and do it all over again. So, but on the weekends, I'm just posting up and um, listening to a lot of music, drinking a lot of coffee, hanging out. Right on. You know, um, I read a little bit about the history of you getting this album together to get released, and it seems like it's had a bit of a dark cloud over it when all this coronavirus stuff started going down. Were you like, man, this is going to fucking even push this back even further? Can you believe this? Yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, yeah, as if the making the record didn't have a dark cloud over it the whole time. Uh, it's kind of just, uh, yeah, turn the screw on a little bit, a little bit more. We had a record release show that was all set up here in, in uh, Orange County, and that got canceled. Like literally, I mean, like the the week that that the bars and, and venues got um, shut down out here. But um, you know, hopefully, there's a silver lining in all this. You know, whereas people are listening to more music and you know possibly finding us, uh, whereas they would probably maybe wouldn't have uh, during the normal hectic work week than lives you know so hopefully it, you know touring of course isn't 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 in the cards right now we had to cancel a bunch of shows and whatnot but i think uh on the on the listener end of it and just getting the record out and, and people paying attention it's it's actually kind of benefited it i think in a sense well let's kind of start here then now that you're mentioning Ozorn and more people being turned on to you kind of let the audience know since this is your first time on our program a little bit about your musical history leading all the way up to Ozorn um yeah I mean I kind of cut my teeth on on hardcore and whatnot especially here in Southern California um you know kind of I kind of came in um started writing and playing music around the same time we kind of had our you know, straight edge movement going on out here in SoCal. Um, I was a little bit younger, but um, that was a huge influence on me, especially, um, and even New York hardcore and whatnot, a lot of straight edge bands, you know, Myron Threat. Right, right. You know, all all the East Coast stuff. Um, And then, of course, our own Southern California scene with like bands like, you know, Instead and Ignite and um, No For Dance and all these just kind of, you know, you know, kind of youth of today sounded like bands, you know, from the East Coast. And, uh, yeah, so kind of got my teeth cut there. And then eventually, uh, you know, with some bands and playing, playing kind of similar music, but, you know, maybe more post kind of hardcore, um, you know, listening to bands like the Deftones and playing music like that kind of, uh, you know, with that sound and, and whatnot. And, um, and it was just in like a lot of kind of, uh, you know, bands of that nature through the 2000s. You know, heavily influenced by noise bands such as like Jesus Lizard and and um, uh, you know, Bark Market and a lot of these other bands that were kind of around at that time. And um, a lot, of, you know, was that was you know reflected in the bands I was in as well. So it's kind of you know mainly just post-hardcore and kind of uh, um, a lot of punk, uh, punk rock mixed in as well, and then a lot of metal too. So. Well, let's kind of dig into Ozorn because I know this album here, the first you have a first album that's out there, but it's kind of hard to find. Are you considering your killer your debut album then? Not really. I mean, I guess I mean it's kind of being treated as such. I mean, the first album is out there; you can download it for free on Bandcamp, and it's it's up on iTunes as well. It has been. It just didn't. It just didn't get a good push. You know, there was no PR behind it. So literally, and that album was shelved for a long time. I mean, that album, our first album was actually pretty much wrapped up and mixed in 2014. 
and then we don't even get it up and running or even put on Spotify or any any of the you know the outlets uh, until 2017. Wow! And it made kind of you know made kind of a splash here locally. Um, we always you know um, you know we were just a band that was always on hiatus for the most part. Um, first record, you know, we you know, we did finally get it up, and you know it was again locally was pretty much was well received, but you know no one no one twenty miles in either direction of where we were from even even knew who we were. And, um, you know, and then it was just kind of on and off again until I decided, like, you know, we should probably do a follow-up record, and that's what your killer is. Right on. So I know this album, you went through a hell of a lot to get it out there. But yeah. looking back now, now that you're on the other side of that process, all that chaos around putting this album together, do you think it added to the end product because it gave you so much to draw off of, especially with the type of music you're doing? Or was it just a lot of fucking unnecessary chaos that you guys didn't even need to deal with? Yeah, you know, it, it was... It was it was band members leaving and then, you know, there's some drug problems and whatnot with, with band members. And, and it, it was a pretty dark, I think, I think the album, I think the, the, you know, all the chaos and darkness behind our own personalities leading into the recording of it. It's, I hear it in the record as I think has a tone that definitely matches the way we all were at the time we were recording it. So, and, I think maybe some people, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, it, I can hear the stress in the album. Um, and in the in the music and you know i think it's it's just in there i can feel it i think a lot of people you know or, or that kind of feel the same way about it they, anybody that knows our, our story or knows the you know the events leading into the actual recording feel the same and that they so, can hear it in the, in the in the music you know so right now do you feel like the band is more stable and cohesive than it's ever been Oh, not at the moment, but, um, you know, I, I think as far as our, um, as far as our opinion and, and, you know, I mean, I think when we, when we finished this album, I think we actually, you know, did how we felt we had a, uh, we definitely had something, um, in that, you know, it would be somewhat well received, I guess, you know, uh, um, with listeners, but we really weren't going to know until it got out there. And we sat on this record for almost a year, you know, it was, it was, you know, pretty much recorded in the mix. I mean, um, it was it was pretty much rat, it was in the you know it was in the can last June, so we've been sitting on it this whole time. What was you know, the hangup since June and getting it out so late? Um, well, the hangup was is was the whole PR, you know. So um, our management at the time wanted us to shelve it, um, you know, and not even start to try and look for labels to release it until until this June, which was, you know, we were like, no, we're not going to sit on this record for an album and then and then try to find a label to release it. You know, that's crazy. So I, I, I actually just kind of took it all, you know, took it all under wing and hunted down some PR folks that would want to take it on and, um, you know, felt like they're, you know, that it, it could do some, you know, make, you know, at least, you know, make some waves in the, in, in the music scene and Monica came on and then we had, a, we hired another PR company out of London called division. And so, um, we just kind of treated it, uh, as a, we just basically just made ourselves a label. You know, I put, you know, just hired the two PR people and got to work on setting it up for a release, set the date for March 20th. And since then we were, we just been kind of releasing singles and, and, you know, getting, uh, bigger media outlets to you know do press on those singles and then eventually leading up to the release of the record but it, it it's been a long haul but i'm glad we did it 
it's definitely um, garnered some attention and happy for that for sure. Do you feel like you guys are finally hitting your strive or do you feel like there's going to be kind of like a lot more bumps up the road to get to where you actually want to be as a musical Gosh, unit? Yeah. I mean, I think right now just having the record out there is <laughs> will suffice for the time being. We're, You'll I, take I, we're the win, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've always been on the thought where it's like, okay, well, we did nothing more than this record past this and so be it, you know, it's, it's, it's just another notch on our belt and, you know, I can, you know, we can either decide to move on. We're already talking about writing the next we're, with this time off and whatnot. Um, you know, there's already skeletons for the next record. Oh, cool. Um, well, look, I'm going to play some casket, which is my favorite song off this album. Do you want to tell us anything about it before we hit the magic button? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a. I mean, as far as writing was concerned, it kind of came together pretty quick. Um, we initially, gosh, I mean, this this that song had actually sat through three drummers. So we had our first drummer uh, in the band who had left sometime after the first album was, was was completed. And then we had another drummer come in who was with us for a while. And, and um, the first drummer had started writing that song with you know basically laying down the drum work with me. And then uh, we had a new a new drummer come in and. He came in and kind of put his two cents in, and then we ended up with our lat, our, our our current drummer Danny, um, who <laughs> came in and put his mix on. So the song has changed quite a bit over over the last year, and um, you know, just mainly with the changes and whatnot. And it, I think it, it it definitely morphed into something super super fun. Cool. Um, so let me ask you this before we play the song. Do you feel like everything's coming together piecemeal? Are you the one doing the majority of the writing? And then we just keep having band members come and go and add their own little flavor to it. And the band keeps morphing. But is this all coming out of your head originally as the inception point? Yeah, I pretty much compose everything for the most part. Uh, Structure-wise, arrangement-wise, you know, uh, melody and whatnot. Um, and then it's just having really great musicians to to either add to it or you know play it for uh, you know on a live sense but hopefully i don't you know this band is pretty much staying where they are now we're not adding or, or taking out any more members i don't think it, it would it would um i don't think i would want it to go past i think what we have right now is is, is pretty solid
All righty. Powerful song. Really powerful song. We are back. We are talking with Bill from Ozorn. Bill, let me ask you something else. And this is kind of um, expanding on what we were talking about earlier. With so much struggle with this album coming out, and you had so many hurdles to get it out, is this a tr- do you like at the end of the day do you look at this and go this is a fucking triumph all the shit we went through to get it out or do you still feel like there's a dark cloud because of everything that's going on with the current coronavirus crisis you can't get out there and even play a record release show you can't you're kind of frozen in time in this moment or do you still feel like you're under this doom and gloom dark cloud or do you take this as just this huge win and now you're ready for the next thing yeah it's a it's a triumph to me for sure. I mean, just getting through the process, you know, just, just getting, getting into the studio and recording it and, and, and getting it done. I, I mean, that in itself, yeah, it was a win. And, and we're, again, I'm super stoked with the way it sounds and the reception so far has been really good. And, and, you know, it, it certainly has given me, um, some drive to want to do another one for sure and that might you know that might happen sooner than we think so you know once we once i start writing the next record it'll go hopefully it'll go pretty quick but you know i think we we you know you know but again you know like like we had mentioned before it's like did that dark cloud you know leading into the record you know you know write itself into that record you know you know kid you know, some records, you know, some, some bands can't do a follow-up to a, to a record like that, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, take that dark cloud away and, and maybe, maybe you don't have it again, you know, but who knows? I guess we'll, we'll find out. Right. You know, it's like, did it really influence the, the record that much or did it not? So I would love to write another record and then not have someone come back and go, well, you know, it just doesn't sound like that second record. That second record had this, you know, they just weren't ever able to capture again. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be that bad, you know, but. Well, I want to talk about the live component to this. Were you playing songs from your killer live, like long before the album got out? Cause it was in stasis for so long. Or did you have to sit no. on all those songs? No, we, we, I mean, yeah, no, we pretty much sat on them for the most part. We did start playing them live after the record was done. We started introducing like two or three songs into the set, um, which was kind of um, the the timing of it all has been has been pretty weird. Yeah, it's been a lot of sitting around, hurry up and wait type of uh, you know situation. But no, we've been playing but before the record though. No, we hadn't really been playing any of the songs live. Um, we pretty much just just wrote them in the studio, you know, wrote you know wrote them in the rehearsal studio, did some pre-production on them, and and, the, and then brought them in. But you know, the songs have been, you know, it's, it was it was a slow cook for sure. Yeah, and it just seems like it must be really hard on you because you can't really get these songs field tested to see how they're going to go over live, especially a whole live set for your killer. So now you're back to just kind of sitting on everything again. I know you got to want to pull your fucking hair out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially with shows that we've been canceling. Uh, we don't tip. I mean, I've learned over the years that just just you know playing live, especially unless you're on tour, you know, you're hitting different cities. We don't play a lot. We don't play live out. We don't play out very much here in Southern California. Um, people just have you know such a short attention span. Um, we usually we typically like in SoCal, we'll play every couple of months. You know. But um, the shows that, that, that we do book 
our, our events and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but, um, what we hope, what we were hoping for, and what we're still hoping for is that we'll be able to go out and tour, you know, hopefully go overseas and do something over there, but gosh, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months, you know, what kind of restrictions there's going, going to be. Um, so I guess we'll just wait and see, but I guess in the meantime, just writing music and, and, and trying to come up with another record is, is the main focus right now. Well, I think everybody needs to go check out your killer because, like I said, man, I've been listening to this nonstop since Monica sent it to me, and I don't get into a whole lot of doom type bands, but the, I don't know, I don't even really consider a doom in that in the actual um, speed of it, the actual feel of it. It's it's not poppy, but it's almost like I'm moving to it in a way I usually don't move to the other doom records I've heard. Yeah, sure. I mean, we get, you know, we get, we get labeled a lot. We get labeled post hardcore, we get labeled doom, we get labeled sludge, you know, and a whole, it's the mixed bag of nuts, honestly. But, um, I just, I just tell people, look, we're just a heavy rock band. You know, we just happen to be in those type tunings and, and using those types of tones that would be, you know, um, um, consistent with a doom band, you know, but you know, hey, whatever. It's it's just allowed us to kind of you know, you know, slip into different different genres and pull different listeners from those genres. You know, everybody. It seems to be pretty cohesive. You know, with where um, you know we have everybody seems to like it. You know, like the punkers like it, the the you know the metalers like it, the just the straight up rock people like it. You know, we've been getting. It's funny. I read I read reviews and you know, there's always kind of a constant mention of the Foo Fighters or a heavier Foo Fighters, um, you know. Yeah, I can definitely hear that in it. Yeah, but I think it's probably more in just kind of the rock songwriting area, you know, area of it all. You know, I think our right one, right? They're more, they're more song geared, um, you know, whereas there's a, there's a verse, a song chorus and, you know, and it is picked up in versions, you know, uh, you know, you know, in, 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 in parts, but, the, you know, if you listen to the first record, it's the same way, too. You know what I mean? You have songs that come just, you know, screaming out of nowhere, and then there's, you know, something that's a little more heavier-handed. Um, and I prefer keeping it that way. Um, there's been some reviews where, like, oh, you know, these guys shouldn't really focus on doing the Doom thing. You know, it's like, well, we've actually been doing the Doom thing for a long time. It's just a, it's just a component of our, of our sound, you know. There's just one, it's just one little part of it. So, you know. So let's end with this. What do you want people to know about this album, about your killer for the average person listening now who may not be familiar with you? Um, I would just, I just think, I think fans of, 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 you know, we get a lot of people that were, are super into the death tones and, 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 and stuff that's, you know, it's, it's a pretty, I just think it's, you take all the components of doom and sludge and hardcore and post hardcore and, and, and kind of meld it, but also put, you know, a, um, you know, um, a songwriter sensibility in there too, you know? Um, and uh, I think just folks of any of that, any of those styles of music would, 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 would be into it or, or, you know, at least should give it a hear, you know? And, and um, that's really all I got on that. <laughs> All righty, fair enough. I want to thank you so much for calling in and telling us about the new album. Speaking of the new album, where can we pick it up and where can we find you on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find us um, on on Bandcamp, type in Ozorn, um, Ozorn Band at, on on uh, Instagram, and you know you can search iTunes and whatnot. Just type in Ozorn. 
All righty. You stay safe out there, Bill, and good luck on all your future endeavors. Hope the road gets a little bit more flat for you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. All righty. Take care. All right, dude. All right, D, we are out of here for a few more days, but we will be back with Dr. Frank from the Mr. T Experience sometime. Um, we'll probably have that out late next week, right? Probably. Mm-hmm. And we're having Gabby um, Chaos from the Feminist Pinks on this week, too. Yeah, so yes. We'll have this show. Well, people listening to this show will know this show's up. But we'll have those next two episodes out sometime in the next week or so. So everybody out there, be safe and keep supporting and listening to good music. Tears my show, psychoanalyze, try 
diagnose me why It was a joke, brother, to brutally die But it was mine, so let me define My territory, don't cross the line Don't try to act crazy, cause that shit don't faze me If you ran like a bitch, it wouldn't amaze me Cause my color's death, though we all want peace But our war won't end, till all war cease